So, um, I'm part of the leadership team here, and uh, I also work at ISU. I'm the IT director up at the International School of Uganda. Um, it's quite it's fun to see a new colleague, Diana, here, who's um, just arrived from South Africa. Woo! And visiting us, there's a, you know, I hear there's a church down here. And uh, I said, of course, the very best is KIC Laboa. No, not at all. There's really good churches. So she's checking out KIC Laboa today. So you have to be super kind to her. Okay, nicer than normal. Uh, and what other, who, who else is visiting for the first time? Who else? I don't want to embarrass you too badly. Welcome, guys. Welcome. I won't make you stand up. <laughs> it's, it's great to have you guys with us. Welcome. Okay. Uh, and it's quite funny, I'm talking on courage this morning, and God always has this great ability to show us, whenever you, if you've ever spoken in front of anyone before, it shows you how bad you are at the very topic you're talking about before you stand up. And uh, it's funny, Diane this, this week was uh, walking up the stairs at school, and she was walking next to the head of school, and we, we are in an international school that's generally, this one's not bad to be honest, but generally it's quite secular. Um, there's not often that many Christians, although ISU, we're very blessed with, with quite a few. And she shouts up the stairs, oh, Pastor Rory. And I was like, no, the boss is next to you. <laughs> I try to be quite subtle about who I am. And, so, and God was like, are you ashamed of me, Rory? No, God, of course I'm not ashamed of you. I'm very proud to be a Christian. And uh, God just showed that even all these years, I still have... Um, such an issue with courage still and the fear of man and the fear of what people think. Um, and I don't know if you can relate to that, but um, it's not easy, is it, sometimes, being a Christian in this world. Um, so uh, let me pray before we kick off, and then uh, let's unpack this a uh, little bit. So Father, we just thank you uh, for this morning. We thank you for the joy of church. Uh, we thank you uh, for the gift of fellowship. Uh, I thank you that even those coming for the first time, that they have their own journeys walking with you, but yet with this huge family around the world, and right now across Africa and other continents, Father God, uh, people are worshipping you of every tribe and every race, and it's just such an honor to have such a big family, uh, Father God. So uh, we pray this morning that for each of us, you help us with courage. We pray that you break off the fear of man, Father God, that we don't uh, live for any audience except you, except being concerned about what you think of us. And I thank you that you look at us right now and you value us as sons and daughters of your kingdom, Father God. There's nothing we can do that changes your incredible love for us. And that's just a remarkable truth that we could just meditate and ponder on for the rest of our lives, Father God. So thank you for choosing us. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. And we thank you for this morning. Amen. Amen. Right. Um, I do have a sheet for the, for the older kids this morning. It's uh, uh, thank you for Savannah helping me get it ready. Uh, much more interesting than if I had done it. Uh, so please do feel free to use that. There are some spares. If you find my preach boring, you're welcome to use it as well. I won't be offended. Um, so just grab one. You're like, oh my gosh, will we ever stop preaching? Um, so you can then take that just to keep your uh, interest going. Um, yeah, good. <laughs> okay. So if you remember, we're continuing through the book of Acts. We're up to Acts 22 and 23 um, this week. I'm not going to go line by line through it, but I just want to give you a bit of context. And then really, I want to focus on Paul's courage, which to me is just incredible. Um, this, this guy is, is, is courage in essence, really. And if you remember last week, 
Um, we had uh, the whole background. Monica was preaching so well into how uh, Paul had been led to go to Jerusalem, even though he'd been warned uh, multiple times, he chose to still go to Jerusalem. And I think, really, he was being obedient to Christ. And that's amazing, because he, for certain, was already aware of Stephen being stoned to death, and many other Christians um, had already been killed, yet he chose to go where God called him to be. And God had a very big plan for him. So he's arrested, if you remember the end of last week, that Paul's arrested, and uh, he's pulled in front of the Sanhedrin. Um, but before that, as he's arrested, the, the Romans don't quite know what to do with him. And what they'd often do is turn to flogging to get a bit of truth out of them. Okay? Not very friendly civilization. And as they're about to flog him in chapter 22, uh, verse 22, um, you, you see that at the last minute he suddenly says uh, here in verse 25, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? Now suddenly the Romans panic. Because if they flog him without having given him justice, the people that flog him will be liable for much worse flogging, even death. So it's quite a scary moment for the Romans. And I just love the way God just twists it around ever so quickly. And, and, and the Roman uh, centurion here is like, well, I had to purchase my citizenship. And in those days, for Romans who weren't born um, in Rome or in that nation, uh, you could purchase your citizenship, which was almost like in the olden days, having a British passport. It's not very good having a British passport now, but it used to be quite good. Um, so it was quite a powerful thing. And, and, and Paul actually says, I was born into citizenship. And that's even more profound. That's a real authority. Okay, so suddenly the Romans are, are all a bit panicky. Um, so what they do is they bring him in front of the Sanhedrin uh, to try and work out the root issue. What's going on here? What's happening as we go into chapter 23? Um, and... What we suddenly get here is that, that Paul um, does not step back. He stares them in the eyes and he speaks the truth that he feels called to speak to them. Um, so let's just pick up at the beginning of chapter 23. It says, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest, Ananias, ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. And Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate, violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? And this is what amazes me. Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. So a couple of side points here. First of all, it's just amazing the courage of Paul in the circumstances. Okay? He's in a very um, stressful uh, situation. He doesn't hold back. Um, and he's been honestly true about what he's saying here. And I, I think one point for me, um, having spent a number of years and been born in this continent, is we have to honor those who are in power. Okay? And at times, that might be difficult. We had Boris Johnson in the UK in power for a while. I like certain things about him, but he has no character and he likes lying a lot. So it's quite difficult to honor that sort of character, but I sense God always calls us to do that. God is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and at times you might be in situations you think, but this doesn't make sense, God. Why is this the person in charge of this particular country? I'm not speaking up or down of Museveni right now in the slightest. It's not my place to judge him. Okay? I do not know his heart. Only God knows his heart. But God does raise 
and bring down different rulers. And just to encourage you on this, I want to give a personal story of Zimbabwe. Last uh, time I spoke here, two weeks ago, I was talking about the prophetic. And um, when we were living in Zimbabwe a few years ago, uh, we uh, uh, had a good friend called Yusuf, who had never prophesied in his life. Long story short, basically, Yusuf ended up being in the office um, with Mananagwa, who's now the president of Zimbabwe. At the time, he was not president. And in that office, um, he called the greatness out of that man and said stuff about him. Um, so he said, in your top left drawer, you have, a, you have a diary. In that diary, you've written down these things. And these were all true. So obviously, Mananagwa was quite awestruck by this conversation with this friend of ours. And he then went on to speak some other things. Some stuff I just can't, confidentially, I can't go into. But basically challenging him about living a godly life and that one day he would be president of Zimbabwe, but God was going to put him there. And if he did not honor God and not do what God was calling him to do, then God would take him from power. So God, I want to encourage you, God is in control. Right now in Zimbabwe, it's still not where I'd like it to be, okay? And I, I, there's certain things I don't like about the way it's governed as a country. But God calls us to honor those in power and who are rulers. Does that make sense? Okay? So it's important to honor them. That's, that's one of the first main points I want to raise. I haven't even got into the preach. Oh, goodness. Monica, we're in trouble. Aren't we? Don't worry, guys. We will, we will stop when time is up. Don't panic. You won't be turning to the paper. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, what happens next? I, I love the wisdom that, that Paul then speaks. Okay. Um, then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said, that, when he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all of these things. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. So just pausing there a second, I love the way that, that if you're courageous and you put your foot out there, yeah, God will give you wisdom in that moment. He'll give you the words you need to say and the wisdom. That's incredibly wise thing for him to say. That's probably what, the only way for him to get out of there unless God sent an angel or an earthquake or something. Okay? But he used the wisdom of Paul to, to extract him from that situation because God had other plans for him. That wasn't his time. Okay? And then uh, afterwards, in verse 11, it says, The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage! As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Wow. Okay? So God has a plan. You see, it wasn't an accident that he was arrested in Jerusalem. God actually wanted him to go to Rome, which was the, the source of power at that day, the largest empire in the history of mankind at that time. Okay? Rome was a very, very powerful place. And if you're going to change a nation or change an empire, you go to the source of it. Okay? So God, I, I just love the way God knits life together. And for you right now, I just sense with some of you, you might be like, God, I don't know why I'm here in KIC Laboa today. I don't know why I'm in Uganda today. I don't know why I'm doing this job today. I don't know why I didn't get this job last week. Or whatever it's going on, I want to encourage you that God has a plan for you. I could never quite guess, I would never have guessed what would have happened to Paul if you had dropped me in any moment up to the point pretty much to when 
he gets sent to Rome. I would never have guessed it, okay? But God uses this man that initially persecuted the church, was killing Christians, inverts the whole thing, and that individual has a profound impact along with Peter and John and all the others, but I think Paul was one of the most remarkable early Christians this world has ever seen. Okay, so trust God. He has a plan for your life. Turn to the person next to you. You know I love doing this. Tell them, God has a plan for your life. Okay, do it again and mean it this time. God has a plan for your life. Stop worrying. And you can slap them on their wrist if you want to, but not violently. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys. So, um, Courage persecution, all these things, okay? You are going to be persecuted. I'm sorry if you, if you don't like that. I never like hearing this, all right? But it just comes with the territory. In John 15, 18, it says this. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Can we just go to the next slide, Jimmy? Uh, next one again. Okay, so right now, that's the persecuted church, roughly speaking. All right, so you can see no surprises here. Um, you can see India, the Middle East, um, and certain parts of Africa, okay, um, there's very high persecution. To be even known to be a Christian is pretty much putting your life in danger. And every day, sadly, Christians are killed simply because they are Christians. All right? And then we have, um, going down from uh, high persecution to very high, okay, to extreme persecution. You've got the other range there. And then the others are blank. I wouldn't say there's no persecution in those places. Okay? Hands up if you've ever been persecuted. I don't mean being beaten up, but I mean someone's been negative or derogatory because you're a Christian. Hands up if that's ever happened to you. Someone's been negative in some way or, okay, about half. All right, rest of you, I'll pray for you now for the future. <laughs> I want to come and work where you work. <laughs> not to say ISU is not bad at all, actually. I don't think I've ever, I've been laughed at for my faith, but that's about it. It's not too bad. Okay, so let's jump on, Jimmy, to the next one. So today, these four quick things we're going to unpack, okay? We're going to look at the importance of being full of faith and the Holy Spirit that leads us to obedience, okay? How it's important to have full, be full of grace and power, how never to put God in a box, and also forgiveness, which is so key. So first of all, okay, the importance of being full of faith and the Holy Spirit that leads to obedience. The formula basically is faith plus Holy Spirit <clears throat> plus Holy Spirit equals courage, Faith plus Holy Spirit equals courage. In Acts 6, okay, to talk about courage, let's, um, let me just quickly, you don't have to turn, turn to it, but let me say this. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. You know where I'm going, the Stephen who was stoned to death at the very beginning of church life, okay? Uh, and there's Philip and others there. They set them before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. But I want to pull out this. In verse 6, okay, uh, in uh, Acts chapter 6 says, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Stephen is a remarkable man who is not worried about persecution or death, okay? He was full of grace and power. 
Because soon afterwards, it says, being full of faith in the Holy Spirit, okay, it says that he went on and did many miracles, many wonders and signs among the people. He was obedient to Christ. By being obedient to Christ, having no fear of man, God used him very, very powerfully. It reminds me of this story. If we go to the next slide, Jimmy. Okay, the story of a hunter walking through the jungle. He finds a huge dead elephant with a pygmy. A pygmy is someone who's very short, okay, standing beside it. Amazed, he asks, did you kill that elephant? The pygmy said, yes. The hunter asks, how could you, a little bloke like you, kill such a huge beast like that? Okay, caveat, not a true story, okay. Savannah, my, she loves elephants. I, this, okay, it wasn't killed elephant. Okay, it's just a point. All right, let me carry on. Okay. Um, how did you kill that elephant? The pygmy says, yes, right. So he says, how can you do it? I killed it with my club, the pygmy answered. The astonished hunter asked, how big is your club? The pygmy replies, there's about 60 of us. <laughs> okay, thank you for the J. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, my nieces and nephews are like, dad joke, dad joke. I'm, I'm, I'm telling them all the dad jokes while they stay with us. Anyway, okay, so how big to a club? The pygmy replies, there's about 60 of us. There's 60 of them did it. So when it comes to obeying God, no matter what the circumstances, it's about the whole club, okay, that we corporately respond to him and what he's saying. Let's rewind again back into Acts since we've been looking at this book for so long, okay? If you remember at the very beginning, the disciples are staying in Jerusalem together because that's what God has, Jesus has told them to do, okay? They're being obedient. You then have the day of Pentecost, which is a Jewish festival about seven weeks after Jesus has been raised from the dead, okay? They've been meeting together, waiting on God, all right? And suddenly, all right, God chooses the moment, all right, because he's the great initiator, and because they're obedient, and he suddenly turns up. All right? We cannot try and second-guess God. I don't know about you, but I so often try and use my Greek, my, my head, my knowledge to try and work out what God should do next. All right? And in the years, I've had these most spectacular fails. All right? I've seen some really fun stuff. Okay? I've seen um, people with bad vision have their eyes approved. I've seen people um, who couldn't walk, walk. Um, all these amazing things. I'm not an amazing individual, okay? but I've seen these things. At times where I think God should do a miracle, okay, so years ago in Zimbabwe, I worked at the international school there. I had a Muslim in the room, I had an atheist in the room, I had an agnostic in the room, I had a backslidden Christian in the room, and anything else you can think about it. And I was put in the situation where I prayed for this individual. I had huge faith. I'd just seen a lot of miracles over the weekend, all right? Um, and God did not show up at that moment. I was very angry with God. I was like, God, this is your perfect time to show off. I know you're alive. I know you're real. Right here, if you just show a bit of your power, okay, then I'm sure many of these guys and girls would give their life to you. You don't know what you're doing, God. You can imagine what that conversation ended up, okay? I realized myself that I have no idea what God's up to, okay? But he's faithful and has a perfect plan. What God is asking of us is to be obedient, Okay, and I think for some of us, you've had disappointments where you think, I was obedient, Rory, but God didn't come through for me, and I feel very, very let down. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. The question is, what do you do with that? Do you stay in that, for me, that self-pity? Okay, or do you say, or you're real with God like David was in the Psalms, say, God, 
doesn't make sense to me, okay? You, say, you can weep, you can cry, you can shout. God wants a real relationship. I want a real relationship with my wife, Beth. I want a real relationship with my kids, Reuben and Savannah. I don't want just to pretend, oh, Dad, I love you, I love you. I've got no problem with them being angry with me as long as they work through that anger to a better place. Does that make sense? And God wants the same for us, okay? Be real with them, but don't get stuck in that bitterness and anger of like, God, you didn't come through for me, okay? It's not a healthy place to be, all right? So if you want to encounter God, it's about a willingness to let him write the script. Who would have ever written the early church the way that it was? If you were going to plan planting the church and bringing Christianity to the world, who would have ever planned it that way? Taking those um, 11 disciples and working with them. Okay? I would never have planned it. I would have chosen others. All right? But God has a perfect plan. We've got to trust him. Okay? So, so important. Be full of faith. Be full of the Holy Spirit. But that equals obedience. And be obedient. Okay? God will come through. All right, next, grace and power. Okay? It says in Acts 6, 8, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So we have to understand that as a result of God's grace, his power is available to us. It's not about some super individual. And I really do, I do get angry with people, you know, the, 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 these Christians who put themselves on the pedestal. Um, and even some of my friends um, sometimes put me even on a pedestal and say, Oh, but you're Pastor Rory. Or whatever. I'm like, please don't. <laughs> I will let you down. I will fail. Um, just ask anyone in my family. They can tell you a million stories from this week, I'm sure, where I failed. All right? Um, it's by his grace that we stand. It's by his grace that we're here. It's by his grace that you see these, 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 these people doing various amazing things around the world. Okay? It's by his grace. And there's always a risk of pride coming into it. The bigger they become, the further it is for them to fall. And you would know this in recent history, in Hillsong, all these things, these amazing people that have fallen. Okay? Sadly, that does happen, and it will continue to happen. It has always happened in the history of church, and it will continue to happen. Don't be offended with God about it. Don't focus on the individual. Focus on Christ. Okay? Because then you'll never be. Christ will never let you down. He will never disappoint you. He will never fail you. He's got a perfect plan for each and every one of you. All right? So, grace and power. I'm just going to, jumping around lots of scriptures today. have got Ephesians uh, 19. Um, sorry, Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 19 to 23. It says, And there's incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also the one to come, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Paul's hope here for the Ephesian Christians is this, that they would know to the core of their being God's incomparably great power available to them. Paul grasped this. He had no fear in him whatsoever. And if you remember last week when Monica shared Paul chose to go to Jerusalem, even though he knew he had been warned, he knows who God is, forever will be the King of Kings, and the same power that enabled him to witness Christ's resurrection was available to him. It reminds me, this is shows you how dated I am, Jimmy, if we jump over to the next slide. Okay, I don't know if you've ever seen this film. Does anyone recognize the film? I'll give you a clue. Clear and... Oh, terrible, guys. 
clear and present danger. Okay, I was even turning to, to my family because uh, I've got one, I won't embarrass them. I promised them I wouldn't pick them out in this service. Uh, a bit of a film buff, but it's before their time, before they were born even, okay? So in Clear and Present Danger, it's a story about um, Harrison Ford mainly, but this is William Defoe on the left, um, where he's a CIA agent and he can do all these amazing things, and when he needs something, he just asks for it, okay? So at one point, he needs a helicopter, a couple of million dollars, uh, and a satellite, uh, lots of planes and uh, army people, and it's all at his disposal, okay? He can just click a finger pretty much and it happens for him, okay? So he has this remarkable resources available to him to get the job done for the American government. Maybe our situation is not that different, okay? Yes, we will face persecution, but we can have courage. You see, we're agents of another kingdom, and we are on a rescue mission. We are living on a strange and sometimes a hostile land, but the nation has sent us, okay, unlimited resources, unlimited resources, incomparably great power that you and I can call upon. Not just material, not just financial, but spiritual resources as well. The kind of power that enabled Paul, Peter, and others to great wonders and signs among the people. The kind of power that causes angels to turn up and earthquakes to free people from prison. That kind of power is available to you right now. Okay, and the crazy thing is that such events are happening all the time, all over the world. So whenever I need to be encouraged, okay, there's different seasons in my life. I've been in churches where there's the, the amazing things breaking out, and I don't have to look that far, okay? And we had a season before the pandemic where we were literally seeing lots of people being hit. Well, I remember one Sunday, we saw like five or six healings in one morning. It's just whatever, whoever we prayed for seemed to be healed. It was amazing, okay? Um, but other times, I, I, I read and I research and look elsewhere to see what God's up to, all right? And one of my uh, heroes is Randy Clark, um, who is, is an American pastor. He's seen some amazing things. And he uh, has a book where he's having a conversation where Bill Johnson, Bethel Church in the US, Redding, California, is interviewing Randy Clark. He says to Randy, Randy, tell me the five most amazing stories, that you, miracles that you've seen over the last 35 years. All right? And uh, if we jump to the next slide, Jimmy, there's one that really struck me when I was reading this, okay? Um, so he's, he's, he's just shared one miracle. He's on to the next one. He says, another major healing involved a woman in Odessa, Ukraine. I saw a tractor like this, pulling a sickle-like attachment that cut hay. I grew up on a farm. So this, this is Randy speaking, okay? This is a picture that he, he's, he's getting impression of, um, of this situation. So he recognized it because he used to work on a farm, but this didn't happen to him, okay? He says, I should have known what those things are called. This one was folded up to go down on the road. In this mental picture, a split second picture that I had, but it was very clear, I saw the blade fall down. The driver of the tractor did not know it had fallen. And when he drove around a corner, the blade clipped a person at the knees and almost cut the person's leg off. Sorry, children, slightly PG, okay? I didn't know if the person was a man or woman in this picture, but the legs were severely, were severed Okay, the, the legs weren't severed, sorry, they were not severed completely, but the damage was very, very severe. When I saw the picture, I thought, oh no, Lord, I wish that I was out on some farm sort of conference, Christian conference, it'd be much better, okay? I couldn't see how the picture would be relevant in a big city at the time. I saved it for last because I'd never had a word come quite like this before. I didn't know if it was God or not. I spoke it out in obedience near the end of the service, and the moment I spoke it out, I didn't even have to pray before a woman in the back responded. 
She was in her 60s, but she'd been injured as a teenager in Ukraine, Odessa, exactly the way I described. She'd been walking beside the road in a farm commune when a tractor came along with a sickle falling down and cut her at her knees. It severed her tendons, almost cutting her legs off. And she had not been able to walk normally since. She even had to go backwards upstairs because her legs were so stiff and she could not bend her knees. Instantly, her legs were healed. It was an instant creative miracle. That was one of the biggest and greatest miracles that I have ever seen. She was able to walk and climb stairs normally from that day onwards. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Right. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. That's a genuine story. I know Randy Clark. I have been fortunate to meet him once. Okay. He's not some makeup Christian who tries to say it. He's not saying this from podcasts and the rest of it. It's just a private book where he's sharing the stories. Okay. Those things happen. Those miracles happen every day on this earth. Okay. And I would love us to see that more in our life. All right. God breaking out, not just physical healing, but breakthrough financially, breakthrough for provision, okay, breakthrough for marriages, parenting, whatever it is, okay? God is alive and will equip and empower all of us. Isaiah says this, of the increase of God's government and peace, there will be no end. He says that you and I are part of an ever-extending kingdom. It's just going to keep on growing. Don't you want to live like that? And explicable life of miracles, yeah? So wherever you go, you bring life and hope and destiny to those around you, all right? So through grace and power, okay, and I say obedience as well, I believe that you will see that increasingly in the days and years ahead, all right? Number three, don't put God in a box. The overwhelming out- outcome is learning to live from a presence of God towards the issues of life, whether that's persecution, sickness, etc. Okay, in Psalm 16, okay, next slide, Jimmy, it says, it says this, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So a miracle lifestyle like Paul's begins with the presence of God. For decades, I would say even centuries, the church has gathered weekly around a sermon, even like this morning. Our reasons are noble. We value scripture, which is so important, okay, and know our lives are to be anchored on truth. And I'm not distributing that. This is critical to your life. This is steady. You can wake up every day and read the truth, okay? Always there for you, all right? But the study of scripture is meant to launch us into an encounter of the person of Jesus Christ. It's a bit like me having a book about my wife, Beth Parkinson, but then never talking to her or relating to her in any way. I read, oh, she's beautiful. Uh, She likes having a very tidy house, and I should never leave my boxes on the floor, okay? Um, All these things. I could read all about her. It'd be very exciting, okay? But then I never enjoy actually knowing my wife individually, okay? So Scriptures is meant to launch us into an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. In that moment of connection, we obtain life. One preacher once said this, without encountering the one to whom Scriptures point, we are a people to be pitied. Let me say again, without encountering the one to whom scriptures point, we are people to be pitied. As Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. That's John 5, 39. So the Bible was written in such a way that those in relationship with God, okay, have ongoing access to its mysteries. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see the truth. Jesus is the truth. 
we long to understand. Without the Holy Spirit, the Bible is a closed book. Okay? You see, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. All right? The church camps around the sermon. Israel camped around the presence. Learning to recognize the treasure and carry the presence is at the heart of the Christian life. Recalibrating our hearts to the supreme value affects everything. There's a person to be discovered daily. He must be enjoyed and discovered yet again. And it's all his idea. I can seek him only because he first found me. Don't try to box him. He works in unusual ways. I often find God likes to offend our minds to reveal what's happening in our hearts. Let me say that again. God likes to offend our minds to reveal what's going on in our hearts. Be careful not to become a Pharisee and miss Jesus Christ. We all can be guilty of it. Me, maybe one of the worst. Okay? Let's not box them in. Okay, finally. Right, don't worry, guys. We're almost there. You're still welcome to turn to the paper if you're desperate. Last main point. Um, I want to talk about forgiveness. Okay. So, let's go back to the stoning of Stephen. Okay? In uh, Acts 7.54, it says this. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, later Paul. Okay. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. God asks us to forgive as we have been forgiven. They asked him, how many times do I have to forgive? Seven times 70. What was the point? There's no exact number. Okay, he asks you to forgive every day. Is it easy? No. It's not easy, is it? I don't find it easy. Jesus, on the cross, asked God to forgive them. And they're crucifying him. All right? And I just find this the hardest thing. And I know I've said this story, but I want to share this story again. Because for me, it's a lifetime story. When I was um, first meeting Beth, I don't know about other guys, when you, those who are married, I'm talking to. I don't know about you, but when I met my wife, quite early on, she started to share with me the list of names she would like to call our children one day. Um, now, at that stage, we knew we were going to get married, okay? We were pretty serious. Um, but at the very top of her list, she had a name uh, that reminded me of someone at boarding school uh, who bullied me like crazy. <laughs> He was my nemesis. He was, I would fall asleep and he would be calling me all sorts of names that I can't repeat from the front. I would wake up in the morning, he'd be there standing over my bed saying, good morning, da, 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 da. Okay? Um, I'd go to school, he would hound me, all these various things. He really was from, I was going to say hell, but that's just too strong. He just wasn't a very pleasant guy. Okay, so when Beth mentions his name, I said, you've got to be kidding me. There's not a chance. We will ever name any of our children that name. Never. Don't even mention it to me ever again. Anyway, God then took me on this long story. And quite soon afterwards, this individual messaged me via Facebook, which used to be trendy. I know it's not now, and it's TikTok and all the rest of it. But at the time, Facebook was quite trendy. And he messaged out, and he said, Rory, um, I think he was now a Buddhist, not, not a Christian, sadly. He said, I, I'm reflecting my life as a Buddhist. And I realized that I was pretty mean to you. And... 
I'm asking for your forgiveness. This is years later. This is how bad he felt, okay? And uh, I thought, no way! I'm going to make you suffer till you die. I'm never going to forgive you. <clears throat> no, not at all. Before I even knew what I was doing, I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit. No worries! You're forgiven! And then the next time I was like, why did I write that so quickly? Okay? So I almost made a conscious decision to forgive him, but my heart was not where he was, where, where that situation was. Does that make sense? I did not feel like forgiving this guy. He had made my life a misery for about, until I got bigger and I could, you know, I didn't beat him up, but I got bigger than him. Um, <laughs> so he really was my nemesis. And uh, long story short, okay, his name was Reuben. And you know my son's called Reuben. So God's got a sense of humor. And... I think in one way, I, I, I think the devil probably wanted to rob us of giving Reuben that name. That's the name, okay, it means first son, all right? God wanted that name for Reuben to have for his life. And the devil has all these plans to try and cause problems, all right? But God is a God of restoration. God's a God of forgiveness. That's my journey of forgiveness. What's your journey of forgiveness? Is there anyone you need to forgive? And to finish, I want to finish with a last story, and then we'll close. Okay, you've probably often heard of this lady, Corrie Ten Boom, one of my heroes whenever I think about forgiveness, okay? She says, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. So incredibly true. Let me tell you the background story of Corrie Ten Boom, Okay. She risked her own life to save the lives of others during the Holocaust during World War II. She worked in her family, family's business as a watchmaker. After the Nazis occupied Netherlands, okay, in Europe, Ten Boom and her family became involved in the resistance, providing shelter for Jews. A false wall was built in her bedroom to provide a hiding place for those seeking shelter. On the February the 28th, 1944, the Gestapo, on the basis of information obtained through, obtained through an informant, raided Ten Boom's home, and the family was arrested. Those who were hiding the home at the time were able to avoid detection and escaped, but sadly Ten Boom's father died a few days later after being arrested. Ten Boom and her sister Betsy were deported to Ravensbrück concentration camp in September 1944. It was there at Ravensbrück that Betsy, her sister, died in December of that same year. Later that same month, Ten Boom narrowly escaped death herself when she was mistakenly re released from Ravensbrück due to a clerical error. Her release came just days before all the women her age were killed by the Germans. While at a church service many years later in Munich, Germany, she came face to face with one of the former Ravensbrück prison guards. Ten Boom had just delivered a message of God's forgiveness and the former guard, not recognizing her, asked Ten Boom personally for, for, for forgiveness for the atrocities that he had committed during World War II. Ten Boom struggled within herself and found that she could not forgive him. But she quickly prayed and found the strength to accept his extended hand. This is the hand of the individual that killed her sister, okay, and part of the organization that killed her father. If she can do that, can't you forgive yourself? All right? So, very quickly, faith and the Holy Spirit equals obedience. Grace and power. Don't put God in a box and forgive. Let's stand.
Stand and pray. Like anything, you know, there's lots of points shared from the preached, and I think God is a God of conviction, not condemnation. So there's just one thing that God is probably saying to you right now, all right? And if there's lots of other things, I don't think that's God, all right? So I'm just going to pray that uh, God, by the Holy Spirit, just convicts you of one particular area. Maybe for you, it's like you struggle to share your faith. Maybe it's you struggle to be obedient to God because of the fear of man, and I put my hand up to that far too often, all right? Maybe you haven't experience the grace of God. You don't know how you are truly forgiven and valued and loved right now where you stand. No matter what you did last night, what you did last week, what you did last year, or whatever you even thought this morning during church, God loves you right now. Okay? Number three, I believe for some, you've put God in a box. You're like, okay, God, I'm comfortable if it's like this. But if you get out of your box, don't scare me. (laughs) Okay? I want you to be like this because this is the way I understand you. And maybe because of a lack of trust, you just struggle to let God do what he wants to do in your life. And then finally, forgiveness. Maybe there's someone you haven't forgiven that you need to forgive. I believe for some of you, it'll even come to mind right now. Okay, maybe it's been out of your mind for years. So, Father, I just pray uh, for each and every individual here this morning. I thank you for the joy of fellowship. I thank you that we're a club. We're a club, Father God. It's a big club. Not only this room, but a billion people around the world, Father God, that have worshipped you today and know you as Lord and Saviour, Father God. And I pray, Father, for courage for our church. I pray courage for the parents to raise their kids the way that you called them to raise them, Father God. I pray for courage for the singles to be faithful and to stay pure and wait, if they want to get married, to wait for the right person. Father God, even if that takes years, but to trust that you have a good plan for their lives. Father, I pray for increasing power, Father, just for the sake of your kingdom to break out in this world. If there's ever a time that we need you, it's now. Lord, as as you pull the anchors that the world trusts on, whether it's security and financial security and uh, lack of plagues and all those things, Father, but you're a God that we can always trust. You're a cornerstone of our lives, Father God, and help us never to put you in the box. Forgive us, wherever we've put you in the box and not like the way that things have happened, Lord Jesus, where we've tried to take control ourselves of the situation thinking we know best. God, I just pray, help us to have soft new wineskins, soft hearts and allow you to do what you want to do. And finally, almost most importantly, I feel this morning, Father, I pray for forgiveness. I pray that if there's anyone that's not been forgiven in anyone's lives in this room right now, God, that you bring your grace and your compassion, Father God. And even if the hearts don't feel like it, I pray in our hearts. In fact, I'm just going to pray out loud, and um, let's all pray it so no one feels like they're standing out. Okay, just repeat after me. Father God, thank you for first forgiving me. Thank you that your grace is new every day. And Father, right now, I forgive and you say, Allah, just in your heart, just bring to mind whoever you want to forgive. And Father, repeat after me now, and Father, we release them to you. You are the only right judge. And one day, each of us will stand before you 
and give account for our lives. But I do not judge this person anymore. I release them and entrust them to you. Okay, right. Father, thank you so much, Father, for this morning. I pray just for bringing a freshness, your Holy Spirit. I pray for a grace and a forgiveness. Uh, and, and finally, I just sense as well, just forgive yourselves. I, I think for some people, you've made mistakes and you, you haven't forgiven yourselves. Sometimes we focus on others, but you need to forgive yourself as well. So, Father, just may your grace abound. May we be obedient to your word. Give us courage to live the lives you called to us to live. And we thank you for the joy of fellowship, friendship, and our club, KIC Leboa. Amen. Amen. Great. Right, guys. Um, you can hand in the sheet if you want. There's no prizes. I can give you a coffee at the back. Um, but I hope that kept you going, even if you're an adult. And uh, please don't feel that you need to run away, but have a chance to catch up. Say hi to someone you don't know. Have a great week. And uh, we will see you next week.